we talked about that last week. We're going to continue to talk. He wants abnormal people. Some of us qualify. But there's, there's a greater abnormalcy that, that we want. You know, and then and Aaron was praying. You know, I thought, wow, that's awful nice of us. We actually can, we, we accept what the Lord's done. You know, we think that's something to our merit. Thank, we've accepted Jesus dying for us. Wow. I mean, and that we couldn't have done on our own anyway. It was all the Father calling us. But sometimes we get so, well, I'm glad I accepted Jesus. No, you didn't. It was God who called you. Now, I don't want to get, you know, really weird on predestination and stuff. I thought Don said something good on, on Wednesday. And if you were listening kind of ask after the meeting, there's a question asked about predestination. And the, the Bible talks that there is, now predestination is God knows what's going on. He's preordained and, and you know, designed everything to happen. And you can get really weird on that. And the only reason we get really weird on things is because we don't understand them, but we think we do. But again, if we read the Bible, we only understand at the very best, at the very best, God's giving us some credit. You would only know in part. So part, at the very best, you're partly wrong all the time. See, now, how many people would like to fly in a, in a plane that only has part wings? Well, that's pretty good. No, it's really not. So what Don was saying, you know, you know, he didn't get into really explaining predestination and all this kind of stuff. Do you know why? He doesn't know. Wow. He qualifies to be a teacher. He qualifies because we're, we, have, we have accepted the grace of God that we're, we're losers. But he made this statement. He said, you know, I couldn't begin to explain that because, you know, if God tried to explain predestination or anything, It'd be like telling a joke to a dog. And, you know, I thought about that. I could just see us, you know, the dog's not getting it. You know, it, it, it's a really a good joke. The punchline was right. The timing was right. But no matter how much you explain it, the dog is just not made up to get the joke. So next time you feel you're not understanding anything, just ask for the doggy treat. That's about all we can, you know, we, really, we kind of really get. I don't understand it. God's not explaining it. No, God explained it. You're just not going to get it. So, yeah, good, good time of worship this morning. I wrote something down. I've got to find it. Another good song. Find you in the place your glory dwells. That's what I want to... Actually, that's what I want to talk about today. How many people, when we sing that song get caught up to heaven. You're sitting at the throne of God and you're, you're, you're glowing. Unfortunately, that's not where His glory is found. You know, when we sing that, it's really meant to be changing us. The Word of God, the Holy Spirit, and the Lord Jesus Christ, salvation, His plan, His purpose, and calling, are meant to transform us. Romans talks about that. that to do the, you know, uh, present your body a living sacrifice holy and acceptable to God, which is our reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. My mind has to be renewed continually and daily so that we can become more and more abnormal. And God, is the, God wants to reveal His Son in us. And that, that's not of ourselves. We can't do that. And so as we're singing that song, find you in the place... I want to find you in the place where your glory dwells. Since I opened to that script, that, that, that verse, let's, let's turn to 2 Corinthians. Not where I wanted to start, but we're there. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. So God, change, open the eyes of our understanding today. Change our minds. And a lot of times, if we're going to present our bodies a living sacrifice, where do you think God is going to be dealing with in this world? In, the, in, the, in this world. See, he's going to be dealing with real-life stuff that's going to change us. Jesus presented his body a living sacrifice. See, and in this world, in this age, and so it seemed right in God, in God's wisdom and knowledge and forecounsel, he's determined his plan. And so it seemed right to him. And we're called to live by faith. See, I thought that was a great statement. I can't understand it. You know, Hannah's sick. She's not feeling well. She says, Jesus has already healed us. How many people in the natural think that's really dumb? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 
I mean, they thought it was dumb that Jesus would be the Son of God. We have to crucify him. It's so, it's so blasphemous. See, so the Holy Spirit wants to tear down. Remember um, 2 Corinthians chapter 10. The warfare is right here. See, the abnormalcy that God wants to change us to is not that we're just weird, but we're godlike. See, Jesus was the weirdest person, the most abnormal person on the face of the earth because he wasn't of this earth. And he said, no one's going to understand what I'm saying unless the Father somehow draws him. And even when the Father draws him, he's not going to understand it because the words that I speak, their spirit and their life, he's just going to know that he's drawn. He's not going to understand everything. And when the call of God comes, it begins to constrain us. It begins to form in us. It begins to produce a wrestling in us that ultimately is designed that God would be glorified in our life. And where God wants to dwell... We, we don't recognize the glory of God. It says, and we, in, in, the, in the Gospel of John, it says, and the glory of Jesus Christ was the glory of God. The glory of God was in Him, but we didn't recognize it. As a matter of fact, at the end, it prophesies we esteemed and stricken, smitten of God because we were normal. We were looking like, oh, that guy told a bad joke. I didn't get it. No, you're just a dog. We're back on the dog. See, and that needs to be broken. What, when I'm doing, see, God is looking for disciples. He's looking for people that are abnormal, not of this world, that are like Him, that are showing forth the glory of God in the most unglorious of situations. Would you expect to find God in a manger? Would you expect to find God dying for your sins? Would you expect to find God in a church full of losers? How many people have a problem with all those things so far in your life? How many of you would find, expect to find God in your work, in your marriage, in relationships? And most of those things we're balking at all the time. I want to find you in the place my glory, your glory dwells. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. So I need to be changed by faith to actually apprehend what God is doing right now. See, right now, I'm healed by the blood of Jesus Christ. I have to accept that by faith. See, because in... in we'll, we have a lot of scriptures. We'll, I'm going to say them, but then we'll probably turn to them. Because in Colossians, it says, who we are and what is working in us is not yet evident. It's not evident. It doesn't appear who you are yet. But by faith, we're apprehending that. But when we see Him, when He appears, we're going to be like Him, even though right now it doesn't look like it, does it? But that's not what God is looking at. God is not looking at what appears. He's looking at those things that are not seen. And He's wanting that mind to be in you. He's wanting your mind to be transformed from the natural. Like, remember when Thomas said, I'm high. Any Thomases out there? I love to believe when I see it. And now he, I, I think he makes a great statement. He says, now that I've seen and touched you, I believe. And Jesus doesn't go, that's great. He kind of reproves him. He says, that's not what's going on here. How blessed are they that believe without seeing? That's abnormal. God's looking for abnormal people. That Jesus Christ on the cross, when it appeared that God had turned his back on him, when all had forsaken him, what was he looking at? Although he took the suffering. I mean, it does, what, what, you know, faith doesn't relieve the pain, faith doesn't relieve the questions. What faith does is gives you the power to endure till God's purpose is established. There's something in this world that through suffering and sacrifice and denying ourselves, remember, denying yourself. Jesus' call is if you want to follow me, deny yourself. What was that word, deny? Oh, thank you. Thank you. Gets the cupid doll. Abstain. There's some certain things I need to abstain from. I need to abstain from questioning. I need to abstain from wanting to see. I need to abstain from my own rights. I have to say, it's not good to give people human rights. They abuse them. It's never enough. It's never enough. But what God, the Holy Spirit, is working in us, He wants to work death in us so that life may work in others. And this is what we're, you know, we're, we're going to be talking about because in 2 Corinthians 15, great chapter, read it sometime, the glory of God, it says the things that sometimes are sown are not sown in the shape they're going to be. 
As a matter of fact, the glory of God, we want to be close to where he is. We want to find him at where his glory dwells. Do you like when I walk around? I kind of find it annoying. But I'm watching everybody watch me. It's kind of weird. Maybe I'll do it like this. We want to find him in the place his glory dwells. But his glory is not sown in glory. How many people have been looking for glory? Been looking for? You're probably walking right over the field it's hidden in, but because it doesn't appear what it's going to be, we miss it because we haven't been changed. I don't like to exercise faith because then I'd have to actually be working with the Son of God. I want to do it, Larry, my way, right? Remember, if you hear, you miss a lot in a week. Larry was singing. No. I did it my way. Oh. We think we got the joke. It's you. <laughs> but the glory of God, how is it sown? How is the glory of God sown in this age? Now remember, we can't serve God where we're not. How many people are really going to serve God well in heaven? You're not there now, and he's not talking to you about that. You know where he's talking to you right now? Right here. And the exactly what you think isn't going on is what's going on. God is moving right here. He's brought us all here today, and he's got some guy up here doing this number, and you're going, wow, I didn't get to the point. All these things, whoa, we're missing it. Oh, if he's really the Savior, why doesn't he come off the cross? It's not what he's doing. You're still thinking as a human. You're still thinking like a... Thank you. I didn't say it. That's why the Bible says beware of dogs. It does. You know, there, I, I think there's something to that. I keep coming back to that years and years. You know? The Gentiles were called. Yeah. How many people own a dog? I don't know. You know. I don't know. There might be something there. I'm free from the... But anyway, we'll get back to the subject at hand. God is moving. And we, we don't know it. But we think when we see it, We'd say, oh, great, now I believe. Jesus says, no, that's not what... That, that doesn't please me, Thomas, that you believe now. What's more pleasing is those that don't see. When it looks like the exact opposite, when everything is going wrong in the church, going wrong in your life, you can say, though he slay me, yet will I believe. Yet will I trust him. And the work of the Holy Spirit is actually to kill you, to kill that natural man. See, we're getting into abnormal zones. See, this isn't. See, no one's going to be preaching about this. You're not going to want to talk about death. You know what you want to talk about? You know, I love holding. I was thinking about when I was holding Grace. I used to hold Hannah that way. She's too big to do that now. But I, I really, you know, I'm just sharing some stuff from my heart too. I hope you don't get jealous because I held you like that too. I held all my kids like, oh, this is terrible. <laughs> don't get jealous because they're going to grow up and get yelled at too. Okay. Yeah. Where was I? Okay, we're, seeing, we're not seeing some things. And so the work of the Holy Spirit is, is to actually work death in us. Because the Bible says in 2 Corinthians, the, the glory of God, you know how it's sown in this generation, in this age? It's sown in corruption. God is taking seeds of corruption that look like... How many, what does it look like to you sometimes? I wish Victor would get off the phone. I wish this church would. I wish I didn't... That's what it looks like. But what it is, is God is sowing glory that doesn't appear like glory. Because there's no faith, there's no glory, there's no honor, there's no pleasing in God if that when we see it, we hope for it. He says, big deal. The Gentiles do the same thing. And who are Gentiles? Oh, good, we got something down. Maybe we should put on the sign this week, bow wow. <laughs> the problem is, see... It used to be, you know, back when David... See, David actually cursed... No, Goliath cursed David by calling him a dog's head. Now, it's this meaning. Dogs are, like, nice. So we've got to come up with something else. Maybe you're a Gila monster face. <laughs> but anyway, with sown in... The glory of God is sown in corruption. It's sown in dishonor. But it says, if, unless that seed dies... Oh, we, we didn't even read this one. We've got to read the scripture. Four. Because it's talking about where his glory is. 
where his glory is. Where is God's glory? It's right in the midst of you. Jesus was standing there making bread, healing people, and they didn't get it. Jesus was standing there rebuking people, teaching people. They didn't get it. Show us the kingdom. Here I am. No. Because you'd have to become abnormal. You would have to die to every idea. You would have to submit to what God is doing and be willing not to have your own life. We would have to be willingly take up our cross and admit that we're needy and a fool and I have no idea what God is doing. I don't know why I'm following. I must be called. And when the calling comes, it begins to pull and conform in you the love of God. You don't hear about Abraham until he's called. And when he's called, that calling begins to draw him. But if we were just to look at the life of Abraham, you know why a lot of history books aren't written about Abraham? He didn't do anything. If we were like to go back in time, and we didn't know the story of Abraham, and there wasn't subtitles, this is Abraham wandering in the desert. We would go, this is kind of a waste. Why are we watching this for 40 years? What's he doing? The unseen kingdom of God was working. But what did it appear like? Some old goat, not a dog, was walking around the desert with a woman that couldn't have a baby, and his name was the father of many nations. That looks pretty weird. Noah. You don't hear about Noah until he's called. And then if you were to, again, we know the end of the story. See, but we also know the end of the story in Christ. But many times we don't look at the end of the story. We need to have that end of the story as our hope that actually continues to form the corruptible and change it into the glory of God by faith. Even though I may not see it, it's sown in corruption. It's raised. And it says, got to read it, got to read it, because I don't, I, don't be, I don't want to be accused of saying this. First, First Corinthians 15. I have second written down. You don't have to turn to it. It won't be any good. First Corinthians 15, 36. God here is writing, You fool! That which is sown is not quickened except it dies. Who's he writing to? The church. But sometimes we get our eyes off of things, don't we? And he has to remind us that you're being foolish. Don't you understand the glory of God will not be raised in you, will not quicken in you, unless the seed dies. We have to die in order... We need to die to ourselves. We need to die to natural relationships. We need to die to what we're seeing as the glory of God. And we need to let corruption have its way that the glory of God might live through us. So, thou fool, don't you know what's going on in your life? You're meant, it's meant to die. And all the time, what are we trying to do? Keep it alive. And Jesus says, if you do that, you're going to lose your life. But it's like, well, I don't know. You're not going to get the joke. It's got to be apprehended by the faith of the living Son of God that's in you. And that call that seems to be... I don't mind wandering in the desert for a couple hours. I was going to say days, but I'd... a couple hours for God. But I want to see something. How many of you here want to see something? Come on. How many times have you been come to church and you've been disappointed? Anybody been disappointed in your husband or wife? That's God. How many of you just got mad at me? That's God. Jesus Christ dying on the cross is God. Jesus Christ rebuking the Pharisees, the rich men, the sinners, what is God. And yet, what did it do? It didn't appear God because I refused to die and live by the faith of the Son of God. I, I relied on my own strength again. I relied on my own understanding. I went back not relying on the, 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 the mercy of God, but on my own self. So the, the, the glory of God is sown in corruption. It's sown in weakness. It's sown in dishonor. It's sown in foolishness. That is the mystery of the kingdom of God. It's a mystery. And now we're going to get back to where the glory of God is. Second Corinthians. What was that, chapter 4? Okay. Here's going to be the great mystery. God is here to blow your mind totally. He's not here 
to make you understand Him. He's not here for you to do good things. He's not here to make your life better. See, Jesus came and He said, Do you know why I'm here? I am here to do the will of my Father. He wasn't here to heal people, although that happened. Some people received it, some people didn't. He wasn't here to teach. He did that. He wasn't here to preach the gospel, although those things happened. He was here to do the will of the Father. He wasn't here to make people better. He wasn't here for you to get it. As a matter of fact, he rejoiced that people weren't getting it because he understood that that was the glory of God being hidden. And it would only be the Father, the Holy Spirit, that would be able to draw people. And I don't know why you're drawn. I don't know why I'm called. I don't know why I'm here other than one thing. What are you doing, Abraham? I'm wandering the desert. God told me to do that. Oh, come on. How many of you wonder, doesn't God, can't God move outside gospel outreach? Yes, He can. I can't. Because that's not where I'm called. Noah, why didn't Abraham build an ark? wasn't called to that. Why didn't Noah have a lot, you know, be the father of many nations? Well, he actually was, but it was a different dispensation. And the ultimate failure that we see of the, the ones of the glory of God sown in corruption is the Lord Jesus Christ. We see the glory of God on the cross, and what did we esteem it? As shame. Even Jesus said he despised the shame of the cross, the corruption that was there. It was God at work, and yet we didn't esteem it that way. And many times God and the Holy Spirit are working us. And what do we esteem it? Oh, this is and that is and I can't because you refuse to die. You fool. Remember what Corinthians said. I didn't say it. Don't you understand that it's needful to die before the life can come? It's needful that you offer up uh, Ishmael, Isaac. It's not going to look like that. And though he slay me, though the promise seemed dead, Though it seems, see, we're never going to get to the scripture because it, 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 there's so many stuff. It says, there's another scripture here. Um, help me out because I have it written down, but I don't know where it is. Oh, Philippians chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1. Do you believe this scripture? You don't have, everyone say, I'll have to read it first. <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I have, see, I have to check it out first. I think he's trying to trick me again. It's Bible. <laughs> i got to write down what I... Look. Let's try that again. How many people believe this scripture? Amen. Hallelujah. Okay. Wait until I read it. You won't. First, uh, Philippians chapter 1, 6. Being confident of this very thing, that he which has begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ, even as, even as it is meet for me to think this of you all, because I have you in my heart, inasmuch as both in my bonds and in defense and the confirmation of the gospel, ye are all partakers of my grace. First off, he's writing from prison. He's writing in actual bonds and chains. And he's able to speak like this. But what's he saying in verse 6? I'm confident, I'm persuaded that he that's begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Are you persuaded? Are you fully persuaded that he that has called you and all the promises that God has said to you, he's able to fulfill it? What if it looks like you're going the wrong way? What if the promise that was in Isaac that he, in Isaac all the earth would be blessed and God asks you to kill him. Are you persuaded still? How about if you want to serve God and God puts you in a church like this? How about if God told you to... And it looks like you're going the wrong way. We thought he was the Savior of Israel and it's already the third day and it's not happening. It's sown in corruption. What God is looking for and what is of value to God and what is the kingdom of God in our lives together. And this is why our conversation, we need to support one another and tear down the conversation of the normal people. Because normal people sent Jesus to the cross. Normal people couldn't see God. 
Normal people would change the gospel. Normal people would say, I don't get it. Normal people would say, I'm not offering, I, I'm not offering up Isaac because God told me. I have a promise in God. Many times we actually use God's word against him because we think we got what he said. You're not understanding. I, what he wants is, you're called to preach the gospel, Paul, and you're in prison. Your hands are bound, your feet are bound, and you're telling these people, hallelujah. I'm persuaded that God is able to do what he began to do. I don't think that's going to happen. Matter of fact, I know people are preaching the gospel hoping they beat you up. That's a bad attitude. Immaterial. I know God is working. And that's all that I am asked to believe. That God, I am persuaded that he that has called me, he that has started this good work, whether I'm going this way up and down and seems like it ends over there, I am persuaded that God is well able to do that. Do you believe, Job? Do you believe that God is in control? Do you believe that there's a kingdom? Do you believe when your body is covered in sawboils and your family is gone and all things seem to be... Do you believe? I don't know what I believe, but though He slay me, I will trust Him. Ridiculous to the normal person. Absolutely a stupid thing to say. But has God placed you where He wants you? And is He at work in your life? Or do we once again pick up the reins of our life and say, I don't believe that's God. And we negate all things. But when I see it, then I'll believe. God says that's of no consequence to me. I am. That is not of faith. That is a natural thing. See, some people can believe when they see. The devil believes in God. That's not what he's working. The kingdom of God is invisible. And it's hidden. And it seems like God takes the glory and wants that to be hidden. Remember, the kingdom of God is like the treasure hidden in the field. Ah, somebody's buying that. That person. The, the wise and the prudent, it was hidden from them. And many times you don't see the kingdom of God because we again lean to our own understanding. Say, I just don't get that, and God promised me. That's what it's supposed to produce. Because in that producing, we're able to put to death that natural man. We're able to put to death that doubt. And the love of God and the faith of the Son of God then leads me. And doesn't mean I'm going to understand it. Doesn't mean I'm always going to say, wow, this is just wonderful. Because the, the chastening of the Lord, the Scripture has been coming to me a lot lately. The chastening of the Lord never is joyous. But it produces something. And it also is a, a great, it's one of the, the evidences. How many people like the evidences of the Holy Spirit? I never hear this one mentioned. We'll, we'll drink poison, we'll, you know, raise the dead, we'll preach the gospel. But what God says is the evidence of the Holy Spirit and God the Father in your life and loving you is getting a beating from time to time. The more God likes you, the more interested He is in your life. And the more you do things and He's trying to straighten you out, that you be saying, Hallelujah, God's at work in my life. I usually don't have that reaction. We have some, you know, really wonderful children in church. How you doing? How you doing? No, 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 he's, he's still trying to hide. How you doing? All right. But we have Ethan and Nathaniel. Aaron deserves them. But the glory of God is sown corruptibly. Very rarely have I seen Ethan and Nathaniel respond to discipline and correction in a good way. They probably complain, you know, Victor hates me. My mom and dad hate me. I can't do anything right. Well, they're, they're still, they haven't put to death the corruptible one yet. Now, what our job is as parents, what our job is as church people, what our job is is preparing the next generation, which would mean I have to prepare myself, how to die well. We need to learn how to die well. I know that because then the glory of God is going to be appeared. It's sown in corruption. And many of us are like, for lack of a better, we just won't call them Ethan and Nathaniel. But when I say the names, you know who we're talking about. <laughs> There's a certain little boy named Bob. What about Bob? They just, you know, they flip out. I, I mean, I understand. But the evident token that God is at work in your life and he's actually trying to 
discipline you and shape you is the chastisement. And at that point, we need to respond and say, oh, okay, I don't really, I don't like all this stuff. But that's what comes up. So I put that to death, and by faith, I say, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. And wouldn't it be nice to have the response from Bob and Joe? You know, don't set the garage on fire again. You know, I, I don't know if they did that. I hope they're not listening. <laughs> and say, okay, yeah, I got that. But everything, kids like to play with matches. Have you ever noticed that? We like fire, especially men. When I, was in, when I lived in, in Vaughan, I could hardly ever get to actually light the Mongol, the barbecue, because all the men, Zartusht, it's a fire worship. It actually started way back. The Armenians actually used to be fire worshippers before they became Christians. You can use that against me. And in Iran, and I think I know why, they're, they're like pyromaniacs. They love the... I mean, so here I am. You know, it's, we're, on, we're living in Vaughan. We're on the beach. We're making a barbecue. You know, we dig out a thing of sand. I mean, is it... Oh, no, you're doing it wrong. And so you got this guy coming. Six guys are trying to make this fire. I got mad. Because basically, it's my fire. <laughs> I mean, I did. I said, that's it. I've had it. They, I don't think they got the fire going real well. But why did I say that? Well, anyway, I, we, 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 we have these things in our life. I remember one person, we, we were trying to adopt some children one time or have, take care of them, and the lady pulled me aside and said, oh, this, this child's got some real, real problems. I'm thinking, oh, my goodness. You caught him playing with matches. Well, what, what's the problem? That's normal. That's what children are supposed to do. See, if your children... Now, don't, don't encourage them to do it. And they should be stopped when they do it. But they should also do it. Okay? There's a, see, we always have to do things so God can chasten us. I know it's a weird concept. So when you see your kids playing with matches, they're not psychologically imbalanced for that reason. They're just born psychologically imbalanced. So, play with matches, but don't start a big fire at the end of the story. But there are things that go on in our life that God is using that doesn't, we, we, they don't seem to make sense. Do we believe that He that started a good work... Has Jesus Christ started a good work in anybody? Hallelujah! Was it exciting to start the ark? Wow, God has chosen us to save the world! Hallelujah! I think by lunchtime... Cain, you know, I don't know, who, Sham, Ham, and Jephthah. I'm not working with that idiot anymore. You know what he tried to do? He, you know, he hit me with the axe, and he did this. And he did, you know, he not work. The glory quickly fades into corruption. And so it is the will of God to hide the glory in the things that don't appear like him. He's going to come as a baby in a manger. He's going to allow his body to be brutally whipped. He's going to allow some heathen to crucify him. And what we're going to say is, if you were God, do something about this. Oh, God, forgive me. How horrible that would add to my sin. So God is in the business of hiding his kingdom. And our work is to find him. And he's going to lead us in a way that may not appear as his glory. He's going to hide it in a man wandering in the desert. He's going to hide it in a shepherd. He's going to hide it in a harlot. You're looking at Rahab. What does she do? You don't hear of Rahab till she's called, till she's put in that place where he's tested. Here comes these two Israelites, sworn enemies. They had heard Jericho was locked up tight. You know why? because they heard the enemy was coming. And she now had this opportunity presented to her. A harlot! And she could have made big money, a reward, a name for herself, because what did it look like? These two guys? I'll call the king, they'll take their head off, I'll be... That's what it appeared to be. But she did something abnormal. She saw God in a corruptible, in a weak, 
in a situation that seems so ridiculous. God, why would God send... Does God need any spies to find out what's over there? I mean, if I was in the camp, well, if God's leading us, Moses, why do we need spies anyway? Just show us the crystal ball, you know? Just zap down, you know, you did it in Sodom and Gomorrah. He's doing something special with you. He sends in some spies because his kingdom is hidden. Because he's going to meet Rahab. And Rahab is going to have the opportunity to look past the corruptible, put her life on the line, go through this anguish of, man, I could be rich and famous now and I could have this, or I could actually believe that God is working in two spies. Oh, she never saw the end of totally what was going to happen. But she brings forth the lineage of the Lord Jesus Christ. She didn't know, but something touched her. Oh, he touched me. Oh, he touched me. Do you like that? (laughs) Yeah. I don't know why he touches me. I wish he'd leave me alone most of the time. Because it always causes a tremendous anguish in my life. Because I'd have to die. I would have to give up my claim to who I think he is. I would have to give up my rights to what he said. And though he slay me, I know that he's perfect. Though I offer up Isaac, I know that he will raise him from the dead. Though it seems like I'm going through the valley of the shadow of death and he killed me and it doesn't seem like this is what's happening, it seems like now I need to stop my ministry and go to the cross and everybody's mad at me, I will do it. And in that corruption, God then raises the glory of God. We need to have our eyes of our understanding open, not tomorrow, but today in the very situation. And don't think, Peter says, do not think it a strange thing, the things that are coming to you. There's going to come strange things. There's going to come strange requests. There's going to come strange pressures on your life. You're going to be asked, and see it as God. When you go out, calls the disciples together. I want to send you out to preach the gospel. I don't want you to take any money. I don't want you to take any extra clothes. As a matter of fact, when you go into a city, I want you just to knock on some door and say, we're here, we would like to stay with you. Stay there as long as you have to, eat whatever you want, because it's your, it's your right. Go ahead, Peter, you knock on the door. <laughs> no, I knocked on the last door. They threw us out. No, you go ahead. Oh, How many people, when you've heard something, one of your first things is, that is stupid. Look again. It may be a baby in swaddling clothes. It may be the glory of God sown in corruption. It may be you having to deny yourself and you trying to bring forth the promise instead of obeying what God has. Because it's in this age and in this life and in this world where God is going to meet us in the corruptible things. We present my body a living sacrifice. There is no request so ridiculous and so small and so uncomprehendable that God will not ask of you in this world. Because it's the only way that he can get my attention is by presenting my body. Jesus presented his what? His body. Yeah. Take up your cross. It's about the body. It's about what we're doing. So, let's turn to the first scripture I said. Second Corinthians what? Four? Great. Do we read the one? Yeah. Are we comp- do we believe? Do we believe that God is able to perform that which he begun, even when it's taking 120 years to build the ark? Do I believe that? 120 years. I mean, as, as you get older, things change. They really do. You don't have the emotional enthusiasm anymore. I don't know if you've gotten wiser. You've gotten more t- uh, experience. And sometimes that can cause bitterness. Sometimes that can cause, I'm not going to do that. I don't see that happen. I tried that before. Well, Abraham, you know what Abraham did when he tried it before? They filled in his well. He went and dug another one. And he went and dug another one. The amazing thing about Isaac is he didn't learn anything from that other than to believe God. Because you know what Isaac did? He built a, dug a well. And when the Philistines dug it in, dug another one and another one. See, sometimes we're so smart. You know, I'm just not going to dig any more wells in front of these Philistines. I think I'll kill them. That's the wisdom of this world. 
The Bible says, if any man lacks wisdom, let him pray to him that liberally gives wisdom. Because there's the wisdom, but there's not the wisdom of this world. The wisdom of this world is conniving, is sensual. It's like, well, I think I know what the, I don't know. I think that's a stupid thing. God would never ask me to. Oh, yes, he will. And he is. And the very thing that is keeping us back would seem like, well, what does that have to do with the kingdom? Everything. What does walking in the desert? What does sending spies? What does... It's all foolishness. Ecclesiastes says, it's all vanity. But that's where God is moving. That's where God is going to show forth His glory is in all these things that... Because they produce something in us, don't they? It produces this battle. And it's in that battle that God's glorified. It's in our enduring as seeing Him who is invisible. He's honored and glorified. Because when we don't see Him, when it doesn't make sense, we say, I still lay my life down. Paul, it doesn't make sense. You're, you're in prison. Why don't you stop this? Oh, no. I believe God is in control. What would you believe if God was in control? He'd break the wall down. He'd No. That's normal thinking. There's a greater purpose that we know nothing about. And God will not reveal anything about it, most likely. But it's by faith, I trust you. In this situation, I didn't orchestrate it. I didn't want it. I actually tried not for it to happen. But if you bring it to pass, in this situation, what is being required of me? Many people say, but God's not requiring it. Did you hear that little small voice? Well, if God required it, I'd do it. Pontius Pilate said, don't you know that I can kill you? Jesus understood there's someone else in control, even though it didn't look like it. He could have stopped it. You can stop the work of God in your life if you look like a normal person. If you think like a normal person, you could say, no, I'm not going to let you take my life because I've got to preach the gospel. I've got to heal people. I'm, I'm doing a great work here. Really, I just do not want to suffer. I don't want to be put in that place where I have to wrestle and then find out that I don't want to die. But those that have tasted of the first death, the second death has no power. Wouldn't it be nice to be just dead? Lord, what do you want? You place me, then I realize that in every situation that comes up, then you are leading me. Well, God called me to walk in the desert, but I'm not going over here. And I'm not going to do that. No, he's leading you from faith to faith. And it's going to be a greater and greater trial till ultimately the very thing that God promised, or what you thought you heard him promise, he's going to say, I want that. Who are you promising? I don't believe in his promises. I believe him. I don't believe in what he can do. I must know him. And there's a difference in that. Second Corinthians chapter 4. Remember, we want to be, want to find you in the place your glory dwells. God, open the eyes of our understanding today to see the invisible kingdom because the kingdom of God is where? Where did Jesus say the kingdom of God is? It's in our midst. Because you know why he said that? Because people were waiting for the kingdom of God. They were saying, I wonder when God's going to show up. When is God's going to... He says, you don't understand. It's already here. The reason Jesus came was to open the eyes of our understanding. In the... Are you waiting for God to move? It means you're still blind. He's moving and you don't recognize him. The kingdom of God is in our midst. And he's taking on a form that you're not going to know anything about because he's looking for abnormal people. People that are going to preach the gospel. People that are going to talk about this God that they don't understand. That eternal life that they can't see. Of characters that they don't know. But first it has to work in me. See, I have to believe that he is. He's the rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. And that He is at work, even when it appears that He's not. And the, the great mystery is this thing called the church. We've been, you know, we're going to be talking that more and more, because this is where God calls us. This is where God's moving. Have you ever noticed why the church is attacked so much? Because that's where God's moving. Yeah, but there's no buts. He's in control. He's in control. Chapter 4, verse 1. Let's start and we'll get a good running start at this. Therefore, seeing we have this ministry, we have a level of service. 
We have a, we are, we are, and we get to Ephesians 4. We are being equipped, perfected, prepared to serve. And you know what's going to happen when you serve? You're going to need to be prepared more and more because you're going to run up against things that ought not to happen. We need to be prepared. We have, we have this, we, seeing we have this ministry. What ministry? The ministry that we've been called to, to serve God. We have been called to be the lights of the world in a world that says there's no God. This is ridiculous. God couldn't be moving in your church. Who do you think you are? Your church is too small. The people are weird. I've never seen it. Homosexuality is good. Abortion is good. Politics is good. We don't see it. I want to do what I want to do. We say, no! There's a greater purpose. I don't see it, but I believe God has called me to walk in the desert, and that's what I'm going to do. Yeah, but there's Sodom and Gomorrah over there. Can't you sell your goods and... Yeah, I guess we can take God over there. Lot. No. If God has called you, then I believe that what He has promised and started in me, He will perform even though it doesn't look like it. Because right after Lot separates from Abraham, God speaks to Abraham. I think it was at a low point. It it happened again. Man, I was back in Ur of Chaldees. I had a great business. I was second. I was going to... My heir to everything. God asked me to leave. And then I just said, have you ever noticed just about the time things really start going good, you start to understand? He might throw something in the works. And so they're going, wow, Abraham and Lot, you know what it talks about? They're, 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 they're flocks, they're prospering. Wow! How, I mean, I haven't just, wow, everybody's happy. And pretty soon they're not so happy. And then, again, division. And it seems like Abraham is left out in the desert again. And he was that's what he was called but he wasn't he was looking for a city whose builder and maker is God and at that point God says don't worry Abraham that which I've begun I'll fulfill in you you just keep walking at that point he had a choice I've had it I haven't heard God I'm sick of doing this you know Lot gets that and everybody gets to do this and so and I think I think he went through those kind of things otherwise he wouldn't have been tempted here take you know get Hagar get a kid those things must die things that are going on in our life are not going to appear as God. By faith we apprehend them. Seeing we have this ministry as we have received mercy faint not. Anybody here received mercy? We sang about that this morning. talked about it. How many of you we, we, remember you, Christ begun a good work? You don't have to worry about fainting in the beginning. You don't have to worry about fainting Fainting only comes after you've been doing it for a while. We have to be prepared to run. Seeing we have this ministry, we, we have received mercy. Hallelujah. How many people have, during the week have forgotten you received mercy? Anybody like that? How many people have argued with God this, oh, I was really saved, and if you really were merciful, this wouldn't be happening? Anybody here? Show of hands. Any Ethans? I see that hand. Yeah, it would be me. Oh, I fainted. I got caught up with myself. I got caught up thinking I was looking for the glory, but I was walking on it, and I didn't, I didn't understand it. I wasn't blessed because I was looking for something I could see instead of believing by faith. So we have, a, we have this ministry. We have a level of service to God because we've received mercy. We've, we, we, our, the gospel, and it's going to actually go on here, if our gospel be hid, it's hid to them that are lost. And I always thought that meant... If you don't preach the gospel, they're not going to hear it. No! It's hidden, just like God actually hid it from the wise and the prudent. As we start being the light of the world, Jesus said, if you're the light of the world, it's going to be obvious you're shining. Are you following me? We faint not. Don't faint. Don't think it's strange, the fiery trials that are about to try you. Don't think it's strange when God is disciplining you and chastening you. It means that He's just loving you enough to keep you on the right path. He's letting you, nope, that was wrong. Don't do that. And when you hear that, receive that. That's what it's talking about. Look to Jesus. Jesus was learned obedience through the things that He suffered. You're going to be going through things and you're going to want to, and God's going to say, and He's going to bring chastisement into your life. It means that He loves you and He's at work in you and you have still areas of your life that need to die. 
but have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking craftiness or handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to God in, in every man's conscience in the sight of God. But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that, is lo- that are lost. Now again, I, I used to think that was, you know, we, we had to you know, really do a, a number. But basically, God actually hides things. And sometimes we're not, we're not being the light of the world. That's why it's hid. See, we, we should have this, we, sh- we should, having this ministry, what ministry? The ministry of not fainting. The ministry of being the light of the world. The ministry of exercising faith. The ministry of walking as corruptible and despised things, even in our own eyes. Paul says, I'm despised. I'm the off-scouring earth, and this is what I am called to. And at that calling, the gospel went into all the world, even when he was in jail. Why? Not by what he did but by having the faith of the Son of God. And though he were in prison, though his life was to an end, though the churches were failing, though this was happening, he saw something that was hidden. And I believe if we start seeing the kingdom of God and the call of God, even when everything is screaming, this is just not right, and you do it, then this gospel will go into all the world. Just as Jesus seemed like he was coming to the end of his ministry. No more healing, no more preaching, no more teaching. Seemed like a waste of time. Even the disciples said, no, we're going to Peter tried to save his life. He said, this is what I, I have been called for one reason. Remember, he prophesied to Peter. And we are to be like the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ did not come to do anything. He came to glorify his Father. And God knows what will glorify him. You don't. And most of the time, we will not choose what will glorify him. Peter had to say, someone else is going to lead you, Peter, because you won't do this yourself. But in submitting to that, even when it seems impossible, I will be glorified. Oh, you will be glorified? Then my life is fulfilled. Whether by death or by life, by riches or by poorness, by trials, by this church or that church, God, you be glorified. It's enough for me. But see, I have to apprehend that by faith because it usually will cost you your life. It'll cost you not having your own reputation. If our gospel hid, it is hid to them the lost, in whom the God of this world has blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine in them. For we preach not ourselves. And that's a tough one. See, the, the gospel is so unpalatable, it's very hard to preach. I mean, the true gospel. So we usually throw in, God will make your life better. God will prosper you. God will now. See, that would be me preaching myself, my own hope, my own ideas. But we all, if we believe that God is calling people, all I would have to do is preach the gospel. Hey, you're a sinner. You know, and I'm, I'm just making it sin, you know. And, and Jesus died for you. Oh, I could get saved. Well, not with enticing words. Remember Paul said, I, Paul had a problem. He was smart. He was well-educated. And he said, I, had to, I have to keep that reined in lest I would preach the gospel to you. But I didn't come with enticing words. I didn't come with great speech. I didn't come with swelling oration. Is that the right word? I just came with swelling oration. What? Oration. But nobody else knew it. <laughs> they say, wow, he's famous. I came preaching only one thing. In weakness and trembling. I pray that I wouldn't preach some other gospel. I preach nothing else than Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Well, that's a ridiculous message. Who's going to come to that? Only those that God has called. Oh, do you believe that? No, that's why I have to say, well, our church is pretty good. Yeah, well, you know. Jesus Christ, you believe. Have I received mercy? What was the message preached to me? Jesus Christ is Lord, and you owe Him everything. Lord, be glorified in my life. Amen. Now, I didn't know what that meant. Thought I did. Along the way, I fainted. But thank God his faith through the Son of God in me keeps me. For we preach not ourselves. Beware that you don't preach yourself. It's easy to make apologies for God and what he's doing. Have you ever made apologies for this church? Well, yeah, we're pretty good. There's some weird people in there. Actually, there's more than some. We've got a lot of problems. Oh, Jesus had a lot of problems with his disciples. Yeah. We'll get to those people. Or we know that God is at work and only God is going to call those that he's going to call. 
And they're going to have to see, when people get called of God, they're going to go through it. And sometimes in our human mercy, we want to spare people going through it. We're trying to protect people from God. It's not God's way. But we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord. We preach Jesus as Lord. He owns everything. He rules everything. You have no right to your life. Surrender your life to God because there's one God and you're a sinner. You have no idea what's going on because you've sinned. Would you like to serve God? What a ridiculous message. Yeah, but that's going to keep them. That is the power of God Paul talked about. For God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness has shined in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God. There it is. We're back to the glory of God. How many of you want to see the glory of God? He's coming to the point here. When you get the glory, you get a little spring in your knees. He commanded the light to shine out of darkness and shine in our hearts to give us the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Where is He going to put it? In the most unlikely spot. Here He's going to be an ex- a Let's get ready. It's going to take a jump of faith now. How many people love the glory of God looking in the face of Jesus? We all see it there, don't we? Get away. <laughs> oh, I love Jesus. You make me sick. I don't like the people in the church. I think I have a right to... That's not him you're looking at then. You know what the devil comes as? He comes as an angel of light. Blew my mind when all the... I'll just, I'll just digress a little bit again. Have you ever looked at all the, you know, the, the, the Hindu books? Anybody ever look at those? You ever look at the demons in those things? Don, you know what I'm talking about. Little demon teacher. They're just bright colored, shiny. Oh, and I, you know, remember when I meditated, I thought I was shining. I mean, everything was, you know, you took drugs, shiny light. It comes as an angel of light. That's not the Lord. Not in this age. There's going to be moments you get to see Him like that. You know, we have our moments. But most of the time I'm trying to fall in love with the cross. Trying to grab hold of the hands of sorrow and suffering. Trying to grab hold of the coffin. It's my own. Yeah. So many times we're looking, we're trying trying to find God in the devil's face. But here's where God's going to put it. Remember, he's going to put the glory of God, the kingdom of God, is going to be sown in corruptible things. But we have this treasure. What treasure? The, Jesus Christ, the glory of God. We like it. We're getting built up again. Here's going to come the faith saying. This is where we're going to really be tried. We have this treasure in earthen vessels. Why? So the excellency could be of God and not of man. And all the time we're trying to get out of this and get to God. He's saying, this is where I am. And if you believe that and you exercise that and even on all the things that you're seeing, then the power will be of God and not of yourself. Do you believe this gospel? I didn't hear an amen on that. This is the tough one. See, I can believe Jesus being raised from the dead now. I can believe that he's coming back. What's really hard for me is today, God speaking. And remember the whole, what the Bible says in, in Hebrews? Today, if you hear his voice. How many, how many of the children of Israel did not want to be delivered out of Egypt? Everybody wanted to be delivered out of Egypt. That's not why they backslid. How many people wanted to go into the promised land? Everybody wanted to go into the promised land. But pick up manna again? Listen to Moses again? Not have water again? No! It was God every time, and we failed to believe it. He wants to deal in your heart that you would come to know Him. And the only thing that matters is seeing the invisible kingdom and starting to believe things that are unbelievable. That's what makes us abnormal. We need more abnormal people like Paul. We need more abnormal people like Job. We need more abnormal people like Jesus that says, you can't touch me, Pilate, unless my father allowed it. My father wants me to die? Then that is a good thing. I don't get that joke. But father, I trust you. I believe that if I've received mercy and you are the Lord of all, then you, have, you, are guard, you are controlling my life and guiding my life. 
And all along this way, there is no mistakes. You are going to lead me right before Pilate. And I have the power to save my life. Or I have the power to say, Spy, come over here. I don't know why I'm saying that. I don't like to eat that. I don't like to do this. I don't like to be told. But Father, I know there's a greater purpose that's hidden in these corruptible things that even when I do it, I don't understand. But I want to come to know you. I want to have your resurrection in me. So the very things that God is at work in you in this normal life, they're really abnormal when they're apprehended by faith. And we can start to see the glory of God in the most unglorious situations. The things that seem to be the worst for you, that's where God is going to be glorified. And we're going to say, Father, I'm coming to know you. The hidden things are being revealed to me. Amen? You get, is that, is, was any of that clear? Because I know I go on sometimes. You know, sometimes only the allegories make sense to me. And if you say no, I'm not going to preach for another hour. I'll just try to make it, you know, I'm not going to say anything. You might go on. Is, it, it, was that somewhat clear? Yeah. And, uh, you know, anyway, I promised I wouldn't go on, but I'm a liar. Hey, <laughs> it's nice to have Randy around. He laughs at almost anything. <laughs> Amen, Lord Jesus. We exercise faith that you hear our prayer now and that you are here in our midst. We exercise faith by sitting, Lord, and hearing your word, and we pray that it would be accomplished in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.